I am truly a believer in the liberty that is in Christ Jesus. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And, um, you know, I was studying uh, this, this passage of scripture when the ark was being brought into Jerusalem. And the Bible records that after every six steps, <laughs> David was sacrificing a fatted lamb and a, and a calf. And then another six steps, and he was just cutting down these sacrifices, and a sweet-smelling savor was just constantly being released before the Lord. And the Bible says that he danced before the Lord, and then he got home to bless his house after unleashing his love for the Lord. And his very own wife did not understand. And she criticized his worship. The Bible records that David said that I will be even more undignified than this. He felt like he had even left worship on the table. And we are entering a season of time where God is amplifying the invitation for us to worship him radically. To to show him from the depths of our soul. Our appreciation for the unmeasurable beauty of love that he illustrated on the cross. And listen, that kind of lifestyle is going to make some folks uncomfortable. Jesus' very own family, if you study Mark chapter 3, the Bible says his very own mother and brothers thought he was crazy. This is the same mother an angel appeared to and said, your son will be the son of God. She experienced the miracle of a birth that had nothing to do with Joseph. And she still thought Jesus was crazy. And this was when he was sitting in a house performing miracles. They thought he was out of his mind. So go crazy, go crazy. Um, the message the Lord has given me comes out of um, this verse of scripture. If you want to turn to your Bibles, uh, whether they're digital or, or otherwise, uh, Matthew chapter 27. Turn there. Um, I'll share the, the title of the message later when the Lord releases me. But when I was studying, preparing this message, the Lord showed me a seed. And I just kept seeing this seed over and over and over. And this seed was being, at first it was just, you know, you could tell it had just fallen off the tree. And it was just settled on the ground. It was just sitting on top of the ground. And then over time, the seed got covered with dirt and it got stepped on. The wind blew it, rain, um, unfavorable conditions. But it started sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into the ground. And time passes and the seed is under the ground and no one knows it's there. No one ever noticed where it was, even when it was above the ground. No one noticed it. It was just another seed. Then it became covered. And the Lord began to minister to me about the power of a seed that is deep underground. It's surrounded by darkness and it's alone. It's surrounded by darkness. It's alone. But the father sees it. And the father knows it's packed with power. 
power that is waiting to be unleashed and made visible and useful and fruitful. And this is what's cool. Reproductive. So I'm I'm seeing this seed and the Lord's beginning to minister to me about how this seed is enduring. It goes through wind and rain and trials and stomping. It's just lying there. And it, it almost seems like the conditions are abusive. When actually the conditions are useful. When actually the conditions are necessary. It's part of the process of bringing out the power inside that seed. Friends, you and I, all of us. We are that seed. You are that seed. You are that seed. You are that seed. We are created to reproduce. We are packed with power. Literally, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. You know how loaded that statement is? That's Luke 17, 21. How power packed. The son of the living God says you have. Kingdom, the entire kingdom is inside of you. You raise your hand and said yes to Jesus. What happened? The Holy Spirit took residence inside of you. Why would Jesus say you will do greater works than these? Because you have the same operating system. You have the same operating system Jesus has. This is an encouraging message. I'm telling you, I got to tell you that before I tell you the title. (laughs) Because if you're feeling beat up and tore up and tossed and turned and shaken and stirred and stomped and kicked and turned over and buried and alone and left for dead, you're right. You're right. You are discerning the conditions. Internal strife, family strife, questions, confusion, the shaking this entire world's enduring is enough, right? Inflation, $4.79 gas. Come on, somebody. 401k is looking messed up. Every single thing the Father does is to bring you closer to Him. Everything. Everything. If a tornado wipes out your house, God's doing it to bring you closer to Him. Read Job every once in a while. This brother had everything. And he said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He recommended him. And the Bible records, he said to Satan, you've incited me against him. But in the end, we saw the purpose. God knew there was something Job still didn't know about him. There's still something God wants you to know about him. Because the more you know him, the more you can show him. Listen, the revival that we all know is here and coming and growing is inside you. But if you don't know him like you could, what do we do? We grow from faith to faith. Why? Because the intimacy with God never grows old. Listen, why will eternity be fun? Because we'll be basking in his glorious presence and he's so good, not a single picosecond, that's 10 to the negative ninth power, not even a picosecond will be boring. We won't need to take vacation. We won't need to take up new hobbies. We won't, 
will be in his presence and never bored forever. That means 20 trillion years from now, you'll still be thinking it's just like the first day. He makes all things new. So when we live this life where we can't see him, we don't even know who we are. John writes, he says, when we see him, then we will know who we are. So he's trying to teach us the best he can in this season who he is so that we'll know who we are. His imagers in the earth. That seed that's you has to be shaken and tossed. It's got to be turned over. It's got to be pushed down, trampled. Why? Because Jesus endured it. And unless you have the fellowship of his sufferings, you cannot know him. Bless the Holy Spirit. I'm about to show you something that blew my mind. You know, the preacher, I don't know if y'all knew this. We got to get preached to first. Jesus had to preach to me first so I could come to come to here and tell you anything. Look, it ain't me. He had to preach to me. The title of this message is dying with Jesus. Dying with Jesus. How many of you know that doing anything with Jesus is okay? Anything. Listen, watch this. Jesus looks at Mary and says, behold your son. Well, wait a minute. She birthed him. What was he saying? He's on the cross and he's saying, now you know who I really am. Up until now, he literally was on her breast. Listen, there's no closer relationship that Jesus had in his life than his mother. And she didn't know him until she saw him on the cross. Woman, behold your son. So here you are as that seed feeling alone, surrounded, in darkness, confused. The father sees you and he's showing you who Jesus is. Do you know the Bible records that when Jesus was about, when he laid, when he, when he bowed his head, when he said into your hands, I commit my spirit. The Bible records that the earth went dark. The earth, that's a cosmic miracle. That's just like when Joshua had to fight the enemy and the sun stood still. So, so let's call up a scientist. Okay. How do you do that? Well, one or two things is happening. Either the earth stopped spinning. I mean, think about this. What is happening? God is showing you the importance of his son dying on a cross. He was mourning. A cosmic miracle occurred because God had to shut off the lights. To illustrate what was occurring in the earth. The one who did not deserve to die took on all the sin from Adam until Jesus returns with fire in his eyes and his robe dipped in blood. All of it was on the cross right then. And God had to shut off the lights. His son is intricately inexplicably connected to dying. Now, listen, I know where he is. He's sitting at the right hand of the father. You might be like, why are you focusing so much on this? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 27. Look at verse 57 to 58 with me. This is glorious. 
Y'all remember Nicodemus. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. We'll get to him later. Matthew 27, beginning at verse 57, it says, now when evening had come, this is the New King James Version. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. That's a costly call. A rich man named Joseph becoming a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus Christ. Why didn't John do it? Why didn't Peter do it? Why didn't, why didn't any of the disciples do it? One guy, a rich guy who was a disciple of Jesus, went and asked for the body. Another translation said he begged for the body. And then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. So here's a man of influence who at a moment of great cost, this man, Jesus, the son of God, had just been crucified. He had been mocked. He had been beaten. Pilate knew he was innocent, but he still put him to death. He was being mocked as the king of kings. If you're the king of kings, bring yourself down from that cross. He wasn't very popular at that moment. So why would a rich man who probably had a whole lot of influence go and beg for the body of Jesus? He went to Pilate. I mean, that you're putting your reputation on the line. Some folk might think you're crazy. We're going to talk about that in a moment, the why. But listen to this. Psalm 116 and verse 15. It says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. (laughs) I want to venture out and say, I believe Joseph got a revelation of the value of the beauty of the body of Jesus Christ. That something in the spirit occurred. He had a revelation about just how valuable and beautiful the dead body of Jesus was. The apostles didn't get it, did they? He tried to tell them. I'm going to leave you. (laughs) And they just, they did not get the revelation Joseph got. Joseph at least could see, he might not have seen the resurrection coming, but he at least could see, wait a minute, this body deserves my worship. This, this dead Jesus, he's not alive right now, but he still deserves my worship. Did you know that you can ask, well, you've been asked, but you can also ask the Lord to join in his death. There is a level of dying that is voluntary in the kingdom. You know, you might have heard of the Nazarite vow. You're familiar with John the Baptist. These are people who volunteered to take on such a level of sacrifice for an intimacy others won't understand, but also an anointing to do something others can't do because the cost is great. What does it say in Matthew 25? That there were five foolish versions, five wise. Five foolish versions had no oil in their lamps. And then they come to the wise when it was too late and said, come, give me yours. And they're like, no, you better go pay the price for that oil. There's a price for the anointing. 
In each of the Gospels, Jesus himself invites us to make this choice. He says, you can save your life in this world or give it away. Listen to this, John 12, verse 24. He says, and he emphasizes this. He says, most assuredly, meaning there is no debate. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, some folk don't like that term hate. What Jesus is saying is, if you love the things of this world, it's quenching the things that really matter in the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is where? (laughs) He says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Watch this. Where is Jesus? Where are we following him? Well, he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. We know that. But in the book of Revelation, he is illustrated as the lamb who was slain. This is the end time prophecy given to John. Go to Revelation 5 and 6. We're going to read it right here. It says, and I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, And of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. So Jesus comes, he's he's uh, in his glorified body. He appears to uh, the disciples. And at one moment we had Thomas saying, I won't believe he's alive unless I put my hands in his my uh, put my finger in his hands. Well, Jesus showed up and he still had him. Do you know he still has him now? His body is still wounded. He's still carrying. Now, he's look, he's alive. That's not the point. His body still carries the wounds of the cross. Well, what does God call you? The body of Christ. So we as the body of Christ should be carrying the wounds of See, we don't preach this stuff because it sounds hard, but it's not. It it sounds unbiblical, but it's not. Here's what's interesting in that passage, Revelation 5. Earlier in the same chapter, Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Same chapter. But when he's illustrated, he's a lamb who was slain. So there is a connection between the lion and the lamb the lion is not the lion without being the lamb you cannot be the lion of the tribe of judah if you are not first the lamb who was slain you have to die but what did he die for he died for his father he died in this earth he didn't really die He made a choice not to become part of this world. Do you hear me? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive press. That's what it's called. And what does he say? Not as I will, but as you will. 
He had his soul trying to tell him to go different from the will of the father. And he had to speak out loud because he was dripping blood from his brow and he was fighting in the spirit, trying to command his soul to obey the father. And he had to say out loud, I know who I am. I'm the one who does your will. I am not of this earth. I am not of this earth. I have an inheritance called saints and I'm going to have them all. And our home ain't here. You want revival? Die daily. Die daily. Paul says every day we are bearing in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. It's death to this life. It's not suicide. It's not radical religion. It's a choice to say, yes, Lord. That's it. It's just saying, yes, Lord. What do you want me to do? Listen, we will never be perfecting perfection. So don't think this is one of them kind of sermons where I'm saying you're to be holy. You got to be perfect. He wants your heart. Listen, David killed a man and stole his wife and got it got her pregnant so perfection ain't the, per- ain't the point the point is that his heart was on fire for God your heart is a throne did you know that your heart is a throne and there can be other things on that throne than Jesus Jesus wants all those things gone when he says speak to the mountain and let it be removed he's talking about your heart Get in position to hear the Lord. What am I worshiping? Where are are the altars? Where are the high places in my heart (laughs) that you're causing me to tear down so that I can have the kingdom of God come out of me like rivers of flowing water? We don't like to talk about blockages. Blockages can be called Netflix. Listen, I'm not saying I don't watch it. I'm not one of those guys. I live in the world and I'm trying to be better. My point is that when the Lord said, go pray, Frank, I don't want you to do this. I've got a decision to make. When the Lord says, Frank, it's time to put the plate away and fast and pray. Here's a verse of scripture I need to reveal to you in a deeper manner. I've got a choice. Samson had a choice. He wanted a Philistine woman. Problem problem strong killing people with the jawbone of an ass and and what have you done for me lately samson you're listening to a demonic spirit that's saying give me your secrets no 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 you need to be in the secret place learning his heart so the distractions of this world offer us a choice CNN offers you a choice. Are y'all hearing me? I'm so passionate about this because I'm fighting to get my soul right. Not because I'm trying to be anybody. It's because I just want to please him because I see his beauty. And I'm like, man, if you're that good, certainly the things you're saying that I need to do are good. Everything you do is good. And so I've got to get my mind wrapped around why it's good for me to not post on Facebook. Do you know the demonic realm loves media? It loves it. Teach me, Jesus. Yes, I do need to say this. George Floyd. 
What would have happened if that video had never been seen? So I'm watching the video. This is testimony. I stop it after like six seconds. I said, I'm not watching anymore because I felt that demonic spirit trying to get me to hate white people. Y'all got to get to the place where you discern the deeper point of what's going on in the earth. God still gets glory because he uses everything for his glory. Justice will happen. Biblical justice, however, is what we're looking for. We're not looking for witchcraft. We ain't got time for that. But here's what I'm getting at. You learn his character and so you better can discern his will. But the devil wants us to say during a pandemic, man, you better make Olive Garden open. I, I'm eating Olive Garden. That's that's this issue we have. We just are so selfish. I'm selfish. Prime selfish person here. He's trying to get me out of that. Jesus said it this way. He says, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. This brother chose to be homeless, but he had a home. He, he had a home called the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives. This is where he would go and commune with the father. So everyone, the Bible says at the end of John seven, it says every man went to his own house. And then John eight, one, it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. You see the difference? So Jesus had to get filled up with the father. It was about relationship. Most folk are just going home. He's like, no, 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 no. I got to get with the father. I could do that on a mountain. I don't need a structure. I don't need a tent. I'm just going to go and be with the father. He modeled perfect relationship. So let's go back to uh, our guy, Joseph. We're going to read a different version, though. And then I'm going to need Jesus and his uh, strength. Watch this. John 19, 38 through 40. The title of the message is Dying with Jesus. Listen, revival requires sacrifice. The Lord says in, in the book of Mark, every sacrifice will be salted with fire. So we know he talks about salt. We're the salt of the earth. Well, where does the salt come from? Fire. Churches all over the world, I, I heard this uh, from someone saying his friends in, uh, that he knew in the church in China said this. And then I heard it from another brother who's got some friend in Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan that said the same thing, that they were praying for persecution in America for the church. Because they're in persecution and they've seen how the persecution actually causes the gospel to, to spread. It keeps them on fire because they're living a perpetual lifestyle of sacrifice. Yeah, God's coming for our uh, comforts. He's coming. He's just going to give us a choice. I mean, it's not like he's saying, get in, get it in order. He's going to give you a choice. Watch this. John 19, beginning at verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, so he was a secret disciple, for fear of the Jews, so he had an issue with being known and losing his reputation, he asked Pilate in secret that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, so these are both secret disciples, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, get this, about a hundred pounds. So that in uh, 
our pounds is 75 pounds. It's a whole lot of that's a whole lot of mixture to to use. What are they what are they saying here? It says in verse 40, then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. So here we see the tender, loving care with which these two believers, even though they were secret believers, they stepped out and loved the body of Jesus. They treated the dead body of Jesus with this love. They used the spices to wrap Jesus's body. What they would do is they would they would smear the mixture over the strips to help it uh, adhere. And they just did this. Imagine them doing this over his dead body, like from toe to head or head to toe. I mean, that takes time. But the the amount of spices. So I researched this a little bit. It says they say some sources say the hundred pounds of spices. That's enough for 200 bodies. I mean, these brothers showed an extraordinary appreciation for Jesus's dead body. They brought enough for 200 bodies. Man. Hey, Suzuki, you come up here. And uh, I'm going to need your help, too. Come on up here. So so imagine this, y'all. Imagine Jesus's dead body. I'm going to trust y'all to lift me up because I got to hold the microphone here. Come on. I'm dead. All right. Just walk. Two guys in the middle of the night doing this with Jesus. And then they get to a tomb and they wrap his body in linen cloth with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes enough for 200 bodies. And no one's there to give them credit. No one's there to say, woohoo, great job, gentlemen. No one's there. They did this as a sacrifice of worship to Jesus Christ. Why? You can put me down. Because they saw the value of his dead body. Now watch this. When you talk about weight. So these two guys are carrying Jesus in the middle of the night to a carved out hole in a stone. Glory and weight are connected. So they're carrying Jesus. It's almost like they, maybe they didn't even know this. They were experiencing the glory of Jesus as they carried his body. Because there's a word in the Hebrew called kabod, and it talks about the weighty glory of God. And so here it is, the, the lamb who was slain being carried by two men. It reminds you of those in the Old Testament who would carry the ark which housed the glory of God. Two guys who were not among the 12. Were you among the 12? It doesn't matter, does it? If we begin to behold the dead body of Jesus with the same familiarity that they expressed, these brothers said, somebody's got to do this. It's got to be us because no one else is going to do it. There weren't people lining up saying, hey, we want the body of Jesus. Do you see people in the body of Christ doing this? Hey, I love to die for Jesus. No, we'd rather get 100 and 200 and 300 and 400 people and march on Washington and start praying against people. 
because we're the line of the tribe of Judah, die. Then you can become like the line of the tribe of Judah. <sighs> then consider this at the time the Passover was being prepared. So in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, it says, you touch a dead body, you're unclean for seven days. These brothers made a choice. Here we are. Nicodemus is like one of the most influential Jews. So is Joseph. These cats made a choice. We're going to be unclean, touch his body, and not participate in the Passover because we love this man and his body more than we love the traditions of men. Holy God, give us this kind of heart. Give, but watch this. Because he took on the defilement of our sin, they were becoming like him. He took on our defilement. They partnered with him in being made unclean by the letter of the law, but in the spirit. These brothers got the revelation. It's about love. It's about love. Glory to God. Man, there's so much to this. Listen, I found out that in Jewish tradition, what they would actually do when a person died, if they had the money, they would dress them in similar garments as would be put on the high priest. This was literally Jewish tradition. So imagine they're wrapping him, they're doing all the stuff, and then they put on the dead body of the king of kings the garment that resembles the high priest garment. I mean, even in death, he's a king. Even in death, he's the one that appeared before God and atoned for our sin once and for all. See, if you don't see the suffering servant, you don't see Jesus well. If we like to walk in, you know, we love the resurrection power stuff. It gets us all foamy at the mouth like, yeah, we're going to take the country. Get on your knees and mourn and weep. Get in the spirit. Spirit of the Lord sees him as the lamb who was slain. Amen, somebody. All right. Now, listen, I hope I'm talking to the right folks. So I believe we are living in an era where the church needs to embrace, carry, and adore death to this life. Go to Ezekiel 37. I'm going to show you something that you have never seen. I'm telling you, you ain't seen this. Because when I saw it, I didn't believe it. I said, Lord, I got to read another translation. This ain't right. (laughs) This is not how I've seen the Valley of Dry Bones. (laughs) Never saw it this way. So we know the story that Valley Dry Bones, you know, Ezekiel shown this vision and, uh, you know, God says, all right, son of man, can these dry bones live? Ezekiel had enough wisdom to say, man, I'm not going to give God the answer. He said, you know, <laughs> God said, prophesy to the dry bones. What did he do? He prophesied to the dry bones. The dry bones came together. Then he said, prophesy to the four winds. The four winds came together and sent you and skin and flesh came on in and they became a mighty army we love this because it speaks of revival yes watch this in verse 9 ezekiel 37 verse 9 also he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to the breath 
Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these what? Slain. Does it say breathe on those who are asleep? Does it say breathe on those who are inactive because of laziness? It says breathe on those who are slain. Breathe on the ones who have been killed. Revival comes upon those who put themselves on the altar for the father to kill their selfish desires. Then we become an army. We won't even see unity like the the unity that we know we need. We're not going to see it until egos die, period, period. The church belongs to Jesus. The Bible says he's the head of the body. What's in the head? The brain. What's on the head? The eyes, the mouth, the ears, the nose. Listen, we should not be operating with our own eyes. We should be seeing what Jesus sees. We should be hearing what Jesus hears. We should be saying what Jesus says. That one right there is where we really got to get. We got to get delivered from that mouth. So we got to let him keep us on the altar. Kill us. Abram said, we're going to go and worship. He put his son on the altar. said, we're going to worship. I'm telling you, there is something to this word that when you go home, I pray Holy Ghost ministers to you. God, how much time do I have? Glory to Jesus. I got so much. Watch this in John 11. You know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, sick. They come to Jesus and said, He's sick. He says he's just asleep. But watch what he does. John 11, 6 and 7. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. He wanted him to be good and dead. He wanted him to be dead beyond anybody's questioning because he wanted to show us what he is. He is the resurrection and the life. You cannot know him as the resurrection. You cannot know him as the life if you don't first die. Listen, this is bigger than water baptism. We love that part. You know, I died of of this world and I'm alive with newness of life in Christ. They get dunked. Great. Your soul and your spirit are now in, uh, in relationship with God. Great. But now the Bible records that we are to be conformed to his what? And his death. Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. (laughs) The image is the lamb who was slain. (laughs) Then he goes and says in verse 15 of John 11, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Wow. Sounds so abusive. You mean the resurrection and life is happy he wasn't there to not to keep this from happening he's happy because he wanted to show us the value of death to this life and listen to thomas prophesying in verse 16 thomas who was called the twin said to his fellow disciples let us also go that we might die with him you know that everything god puts in the bible is has purpose that wasn't just to make us look at uh, thomas and say man you just didn't get it no that's something that as we as we spend time with the Lord, he illuminates that thing and says, wait a minute. Yes, we are to go and die with Christ. We are Galatians 2:20. Not yet. I, but Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. 
Jesus said, what? Carry your cross. God, tell me how to wrap this thing up so much. Oh, bless the Holy Spirit. All right, here we go. here's where we're going to go. Isaiah 53. So the devil wants you to die to anything else but Christ. That's why we have all these um, denominations. That's why we have all these like cults and stuff. Jehovah's Witnesses more. He wants you to believe anything except living for Christ and nothing. He does not want you to give your all to Jesus. It's a small victory to him if you believe in Jesus, but you've got a denomination that tells you all you need to do is believe the right way. Because folk ain't getting set free from that. That's just another thing you can get bound in, another rule book. So he comes to Jesus in the wilderness and says, you know, cast yourself down. He says, I'll give you all the kingdoms and all this stuff. And Jesus at one point says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I'm in a conversation with Jesus one day. I said, Jesus, but you are the word of God. This is so interesting to me. I said, okay, so the word of God says to Satan, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But you are the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, I get that because you had to read the word too. Okay, you are the word, so you know the word. Okay, and Jesus said to me one day, he said, Frank, I had to stay within myself. I had to stay within myself. He knew that he wasn't here to take over this world. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He knew he had an assignment that had nothing to do with living according to the mores of this world. It was anti-world in terms of culture. He was walking in the kingdom of God. Verse 10, and this is where it still gets me, where the word of God said, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. (laughs) He has put him to grief. Listen, I don't know about you. I've got five, uh, four kids. Not five yet. Come on. Four kids. I have three, kids, three sons. I cannot imagine knowing that I had no choice but to allow my son to be put to death. And yet the Lord says it pleased him. <laughs> wow, that's otherworldly. He knew the impact of the seed. What does it say further in the verse? When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. That's you. He shall prolong his days, meaning he'll die, but he'll live forever. So the question is, do you adore the death of Jesus? The invitation is for you to lay it on the altar, all of it, every day. Steve says something about me that I wish was 100% true. It's kind of true. He says, you know, he thinks I probably don't do anything without consulting the Lord. Okay, listen. There are days when I might say, oh, Lord, what should I wear today? That might be the most extreme. I'm really asking the Lord to help me with what I choose to eat. I haven't given that to him yet. But that's the goal. 
goal. Like the goal is to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. The, the, the high calling is when he said to Moses, come up higher. And what did Moses take with him? Two things. One tablet and the second tablet. Nothing written on them. No food, no water. He goes up 40 days, 40 nights, eats nothing, comes down, still alive. Breaks, breaks, breaks the Ten Commandment tablets because he saw the golden calf and he's so offended because he had just been with glory for 40 days and seen how good he is. And he's like, you did this and the God who's so good is right there in his literal presence. Proximity wise, you made a golden calf. He's so good. I didn't even have to eat because I was living off every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He breaks two tablets, goes up again, 40 days, 40 nights, 80 days, 80 nights, no food, brother's still alive, comes down, has got glory on his face because he prioritized the secret place in his life above everything else. Everything. There is no more radical a lifestyle exhibited in the word of God than that. You mean to tell me you are so in love with the father that you won't eat anything? You won't drink water? You are experiencing a transference of nourishment from the spirit realm? Literally your DNA, the electrolytes, your blood, it's all living off of the presence of God? All of your bodily processes were being supported by his word. <sighs> he adored him. Not as I will, but as you will, said the Lord Jesus. And he's inviting us to lean into suffering. Listen, you're going to have it anyway. You might as well make it worth something. <laughs> Listen, he gives us choices in the suffering. Will you lean into this and learn me? Will you ask me for the word in this situation? Will you go to me and say, Lord, get me into the word so I can live off of that in the midst of this wilderness? We're all familiar with Romans 12. Here's what it says. I beseech you. Man, that's that strong language. Paul had an experience. You remember what happened? Went blind on the Damascus road. Didn't eat anything for days. Later on, it says brother went to Arabia and didn't he didn't want to see or talk to any. He had been so wrecked by Jesus Christ, who he did not know. And suddenly, by the grace of God, because somebody prayed for him and he got arrested by the spirit, he got with God and he just had to have him. But watch what he writes with this strong language when he says, I beseech you. Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Bodies. A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. He's saying in light of what Jesus did, this is a reasonable expectation because he's the son of the living God, had never sinned and still went to die for you. 
literally could have said, man, let me wipe this thing out. Do you realize the Lord's ministering to me about this? And I got to stop talking. He said, none of us deserve a breath when we sin. That's it. He has a right to take us out of here. We've missed the mark. It's done. But that's not what he does. So when you read the Old Testament, the Bible says, hey, man, go in there and kill the, the fathers, the mothers and the children. Man, that sounds abusive. Well, actually, none of them deserved any life at all. They did not deserve any life. And their presence was standing in the way of his glory being revealed to the earth. And he had to have his glory move. He had to have his glory overtake what? This world. We don't deserve anything. So his mercy is what has sustained us. And he gives us life. We have a reasonable service to give him everything. Verse 2 of Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. That means don't be fashioned, don't be influenced. Conforming is something, it's like you take something and then you change its form. So you're made in the image of God and then you come into the earth and then there's atmospheric stuff going on around you. Mom, dad, school, what you watch on TV, what you read, what you hear on the radio, you know, whatever. And these things begin to conform you. And so Jesus shows up and he's like, okay, now we're starting from scratch. You're in me, in my body. And now I am taking control. You're my servant. I love you. And I'm still going to be kind, but I need you to start changing. I need you to start dying. I need you to carry this cross and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, revival is a very cool word to just throw around. But when you start telling people, hey, man, when you talk about revival, what are you giving up for Jesus right now? The fire that some people say is on my heart and on my life was not there for three years. Never made more money, built a big old house, living in Indianapolis, morning anchor on TV, had influence, getting free tickets to Colts games, you know, Pacers games. They put us in a suite. My kids still talk about how they pulled up the cake cart. I mean, these cats had all manner, 12 different cakes, five pies, all the candy you want. Sounds fun. Ministry was not happening. I was calling out to God for three years. Why is ministry not happening, God? Doors are not opening. I want to serve. I did all this stuff for you in Greensboro. I want to do even more. One day the Lord visits me in my prayer time. And I'm not saying visibly, but I'm in prayer because I had been praying and I'm just, we had sold our house because something wasn't right. We were like, love the house, but so we sold the house, didn't know why. And uh, I'm in prayer and I, I had a choice to make. You know, am I going to resign and, and stay at this station? My mom, uh, my wife, she's my mom too. My wife uh, doesn't work, so, you know, I'm the breadwinner. And I'm like, well, Lord, this is a big decision, but I don't have any peace about signing this contract. I need you to give me more details. What is going on here? I don't have peace about doing this anymore, but I don't know what to do next. And instead of him telling me what to do next, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, he says, Frank, you've made your career an idol and you serve the God of mammon. It was a good ouch, though, Steve, because let me tell you, I had been so miserable for three years. I immediately gave it all to God. I said, it's yours because I had no satisfaction. The joy was not there. I was happy, but not had no joy. I said, take it. Take it. Whatever you want to do with my career, take it. And we began to pray this prayer. Close every door. That's not you, Lord. I don't even want to see the door. And he did it. 
And we ended up back in Greensboro during a pandemic talking about full time ministry. And the fire of God came from me just relying on him for everything. Relying. I don't get a paycheck every two weeks. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? This is not me to say this is not me saying I'm better than anyone. I'm just giving you a testimony that I have never read the word of God, understood the word of God, had more time and freedom and worship with God than now because I've given him everything. And I'm saying you are the priority. You. That's it. Stumble along the way, make mistakes, still need prayer. But my point is, these are the best days of my life because I've never felt more near to him. Jeremiah, I believe it's uh, chapter nine, verse 24. He says, let any man who glories glory in this, that he knows and understands me. And so if you don't allow this world to conform you and you begin to let your mind be renewed and you're putting yourself as a living sacrifice, you're going to know him just like Moses did. I hope I can know him close to how Moses knew. I mean, Moses knew him so well. It just blows my mind. The three Hebrew boys were in the fiery furnace that had been turned up seven times hotter, so hot that it killed the servants that put them in there. And Nick, uh, Nebuchadnezzar saw them in there and, he, and it said that they were bowing. <laughs> they were in the furnace and they were bowing. That's the posture. As we give ourselves to God, he wants to bring us into worship. And then what happened? Nebuchadnezzar made a decree to the entire nation that the God of these three men was the God. Revival comes when those who know God lay it all down to worship him. God, I pray you take every one of our creative ideas and all the man's wisdom and you take it away and you show us the demonstration of the spirit and power. In the name of Jesus, thank you all. Thank you so much. 